Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Janice M., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, July 20th, 2015. We are at, uh, today we are reading from the big book on page 100, and we're going to be at the last paragraph on page 100, beginning with assuming we are spiritually fit. And our um, the previous day's me- meeting share, um, oh, I'm all mixed up here. I'm sorry. Uh, today's readers are for the 12 steps, Janice B., the 12 traditions, Natia B. Our readers for the text will be Angela D., Larry K., and Terry H. Our share ID for yesterday, a, a special edition meeting, is 7841. That's 7841. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Janice B. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. This is Janice B., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Vermont. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God 
as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Janice. I will now ask Nadia B. to please read the 12 traditions. Good morning, everyone. This is Nadia B., recovering compulsive overeater in Connecticut. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal in recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders, but trusted servants, they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry his message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought to never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. That problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA is as such ought to never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought to never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personality. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Nadia B. I'm going to repeat something that I really omitted. And the share ID that I gave you, which was 7841, was for Sunday, and the date is July 19, 2015, um, and it was our third anniversary for A Vision for You, um, a very inspiring 12 recovered compulsive overeaters, talking about the 12 what they mean to them. And now I'll tell you how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. 
we are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 100, uh, the last paragraph, assuming we are spiritually fit. I will now ask Angela D. to please begin reading. Good morning. Can you hear me, Janice? Yes. Okay. Good morning, everyone. I'm a compulsive overeater, and I'm very grateful to be here today, recovered through the grace of God. Okay. Assuming we are spiritually fit, we can do all sorts of things alcoholics are not supposed to do. People have said we must not go where liquor is served. We must not have it in our homes. We must shun friends who drink. We must avoid moving pictures which show drinking scenes. We must not go into bars. Our friends must hide their bottles. If we are going to their houses, we mustn't think or be reminded about alcohol at all. Our experience shows that this is not necessary. Wow. Well, let's start with assuming we are spiritually fit. I can't assume if I'm spiritually fit. I have to know in my heart and mind and in my being that I'm spiritually fit. Then I won't need all those must. See, I won't need it only because if I'm walking with my higher power and working the steps, this must can disappear. My mind isn't what was it wasn't. My mind isn't, was it, before, before I came into the program. Before I came into the program, I had to, must not go where liquor is served and the rest of it because my mind and my heart was not spiritually fit. So I have to tell working with others, where are you today? Are you spiritually fit? All right, I know when I wasn't and I can give them my story. So today I say, are we spiritually fit? And if we're not, we have to do all those must. Because my mind isn't where it should be. And I'll pass, and I thank you. Have a good day. And thank you, Angela D. Okay, we're going to open up the meeting to sharing a comment on that paragraph. Who would like to start it off? Carolyn. Kim G. I heard Carolyn. Melissa C. I heard Kim. I heard Renata. Melissa. And I heard Renata. Okay, let's see. Is, is it Carol G., Kim G., Melissa C., and Renata G., I believe? Carol G., is that you first? Good morning, Janice. Thank yes. you. It is Carol G. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I'm Carol. I'm recovered. Thank you. Um, I love this part of the book. Um, this section for me deals on the issue of socializing with other people, which is a personal challenge of mine. Um, so how can somebody so dangerously addicted to food uh, socialize without eating everything in sight? Well, 
I had to follow a simple set of instructions. Um, today I can demonstrate an amazing miracle. Last week I was busy spending time with friends, listening to them, learning from them, and just loving them. I didn't even see the feast of, of, of food before my eyes. Um, in the past, I would have been very aware of the food. I'd be trying not to breathe, I'd be chanting prayers, but today I assume that God's taking care of me because I've taken action. I've, I'm doing daily devotions. And um, I don't now have to shun friends who drink and, and friends at all, really, because I've experienced the promise of the program. So the test for me about spiritual fitness is, have I become unblocked? Am I separated from self? And now I can make the assumption that God is with me because every single day I attend to my daily devotions that keep me unblocked. And it would be so lovely um, if my phone had a little app on there that would just say carol check you're in fit spiritual condition now you can go to all these sordid places you couldn't go to before but unfortunately i haven't got that i actually have to rely on something i can't hear and i can't see so on a morning i do my meditation and i do my prayers and i do my body work and i go out into the world and i take inventory constantly today i don't make i make sure that i don't leave my house without my meditation medication if I miss my morning devotion, it would be just like going to the airport without a passport. I wouldn't be able to get access on the plane. So I can access the world now by staying in conscious contact with this spirit because I make sure I'm doing that and I do that by step 10. How is this important when I'm working with others? Well, I'm human and I can fall under delusions and I can get my ego going again. And when I'm sponsoring, if I find somebody feels like a drain on me, or someone's making me feel terrible, I know I'm in bondage to self, and I pause and take inventory. If I'm doing service online, and the only thing I'm thinking about is how you're perceiving me, I'm in myself, and I pause and I take inventory. So I just keep pausing and taking inventory, watching, pausing, asking, turning to the higher power, and I go throughout the day then making sure that I can be in one communication with the higher power so that I can be of helpful to someone else. And suddenly... It's not a drain, it's effortless. And I'm looking at you, and I'm listening to you, and I'm free of worry and tension, and I'm a complete open channel. I can make some serious mistakes as well, um, but that's what corrective measures are for. So I love this paragraph. I assume I'm in fit spiritual condition because I'm constantly taking inventory. It's giving me a most wonderful life. Thank you, Vision, for you. Thank you so much. And I pass. Mm. Thank you, Carol G. Okay, Kim G, you're up. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, all. My name is Kim Dean. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Assuming we are spiritually fit, we can do all do all, do all sorts of things alcoholics are not supposed to do. You know, I have to question what spiritually fit means. You know, I have to question those old ideas because I have to tell you, spiritually fit to me, before I became a student of this big book, was did I call my sponsor, have I said the serenity prayer, and have I committed my food? And that's not what they're talking about here. In, in, the, in the context of the big book, spiritually fit is something very specific. Spiritually fit means you've gone through the steps and had a spiritual awakening sufficient to bring about recovery, that you have neutrality around the food, that you're not either you cease fighting it or um, you're no longer afraid. So if you want to know what spiritually fit means, turn to pages 84 and 85. Read those 10-step promises. If that is not your reality because you have not gone through the steps, you need to protect your abstinence. 
you need to know that you can't go to those places. If you still have an alcoholic mind, your mind will convince you at a wedding or at a movie theater or on a vacation that, that taking that first bite is the best idea you've had in a long time. So I had to question those old ideas about what spiritually fit was because I would often say I'm working my program and I'm okay. But I have to understand, what is the program? The program is the 12 steps. What I used to think the program was was three calls a day, three meetings a week. So if I was working my program, that meant if I went to meetings, I was okay to go to that wedding. If I called my sponsor, I was okay to go to that movie theater where I used to binge all the time alone in a movie theater. So we have to recognize assuming spiritually fit is something very specific. And let me compare it to something else. When you're spiritually fit, what about physically fit? Let's say you want to train for a marathon. Do you decide today, I'm going to train for a marathon and I'm going to run 10 miles today? No, you know you have to build up your muscles in order to do that. Yet very often I would think, okay, well, if the, if the answer is 10, 11, and 12, I'm going to put down the food and I'm going to start doing 10, 11, and 12. I have to understand that I don't have the skill set yet or the muscle, muscle memory or the spiritual muscles to do a step 10 unless I've learned the skill set in four through nine. And I'm not going to want to learn the skill set of four through nine unless I know that I'm powerless, I know that I need a power, and I've made that decision. And the last thing I'm going to say is I have to, I know for myself, I'm someone who loves being physically fit. And as I get older, I can't snap back. I can't take a week off on vacation and come back and go and do the exact same exercise. I have to, it takes me more effort. It takes more effort for me to stay fit. And I have to say that's my reality with my recovery. What I did four and a half years ago when I recovered is not sufficient to keep me physically fit today. So I have to be constantly growing and stretching and leaning into these steps as I go through recovery. Recovery is progressive. And with that, I pass. And thank you so much, Kim G. Okay, Melissa C., you're next. Hi, good morning. This is Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. Um, you know, that this part was what really appealed to me when I started listening to A Vision for You because, um, you know, before then, in all my years of struggling, in my dieting, in my binging, in white-knuckling it, um, being abstinent, the mere sight of food was enough to put me over the edge. You know, talk of food was enough to put me over the edge. I simply could not resist the food. And, you know, I could at times um, resist it at an event, but it was sheer torture. And I was miserable and angry. And what did I do to soothe myself after the event was when I was really at risk. Um, And that has always been my pattern. It's not so much being at the place um, that I'm going to pick it up there, but I pick it up when I get home by myself. Um, somehow as a, you know, the the crazy idea I've gotten is now I can reward myself because I was good there. Um, and so, you know, that is just not the case for me today. I can host parties. I can serve. I can handle buying foods. I can prepare foods that once used to own me. But make no mistake, I know that if I stop my daily work, if I do not remain spiritually fit, um, all of, you know, I, I would go right back into the food. The call of the food would once again be too much for me and it would overtake me. 
And, you know, I have two alternatives for my life. I can remain spiritually fit. I can um, embrace this program. This program has to be, my recovery has to be my life. Um, Or I can go back to being enslaved by the food. Those are my only two options. Um, You know, and I went to a party over the weekend, and of course, there was a huge spread of food. There was chips and appetizers and trays of food and whole tables full of desserts and People are drinking and eating, and it's amazing because I just didn't care. I, I wasn't gritting my teeth in agony. I, I really enjoyed the people that were there, um, you know, and I went in their pool. Um, you know, I'm not enslaved by my ego anymore, which is one way that I know I'm spiritually fit. I, you know, I'm no bathing suit model, but I went in a bathing suit. I'm, I don't, I'm not so concerned um, and owned by self-hatred, um, the same way that I'm not enslaved by that dessert table. And, you know, what has happened to me? Someone even asked me there, how can you resist? And, you see, I'm not resisting anymore. Resisting would mean that my desire still exists. And it doesn't. You know, I'm not, I'm not interested. God has removed this for me. And, you know, this is nothing short of a miracle. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. And thank you so much, Melissa C., and everyone that's watching the time. Okay, Renata G., you're up. Hi, Janice. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. This is Renata G., Recovered Compulsive Eating, New York. Assuming we are, we are spiritually fit, we can do all sorts of things alcoholics are not supposed to do. What I understand by this is that, you know, if I am not here yet, if I haven't worked all the top steps, if I don't have um, uh, neutrality around the food, I'm not supposed to do the things that are, you know, challenging. For example, you know, my experience was that when I went through these 12 steps, I had to remove myself from certain situations that were very challenging, you know, like... um, I, had, I, I used to go out to eat like every single weekend, you know, lunch and dinner. There were some friends that I used to go to their houses just because of what they would offer me to eat. Um, you know, uh, certain bars or whatever that I would go because of the food. Like, And I had to avoid those places, really not go. And then, you know, it, it, it was only for like a couple of months. And so I really, when I'm, I start working with someone, I suggest, you know, to them that, you know, avoid all situations that are very challenging. You know, if every time you go to that restaurant, you break your absence because you order your favorite appetizer, don't go. You know, this is not for, you know, a lifetime. It's just until you work, after, until you work the steps. Because it says here that, you know, after I work the steps, after I have a spiritual awakening and I'm restored to sanity, I'm not going to want to have the, the food that would have created any problem. And then, yes, now, to, you know, today I can go anywhere and food is not a problem. But, uh, you know, I, I really try to bring this to their attention that it, it, it's hard enough putting the food down. And so, if, you know, we can avoid certain situations. Like we see all throughout the book, like in Bill's story, 
uh, Fred's story, Jim's story, like all this, you know, they were not recovered and they put themselves in a situation like they went to bars and they ended up drunk. Why? Because the obsession of the mind still working full force, you know, it's still part of their daily routine, like it was for me before working the steps. And so, you know, after working the steps, like Kim said, after we have the 10-step promises, yes, we can go anywhere we want. But before that, I'm better off if I put myself in like a, an intensive care mode. With that, I pass thanks. Yes. Thank you, Renata. We can take another group before we go on. Is there anyone else that would like to share on this? Okay, I think I heard Charles. And I think I heard Bella. And I Raquel. Okay, let's get Raquel and then that's good for now. We'll start with Charles H. Was that Charles H? Good morning. Yes. Yeah, I'm here. How you oh. doing? Good, good. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> How you doing? Good morning. It's Charles H. Uh, from New York, a recovered visionary. You got to be quick on the button when they get to these type of paragraphs. But, um, yeah, anyway, uh, first of all, I'm grateful. Um, Thank you, God, for another day on this, this planet. Um, it ain't have to be like that, because I know, you know, some yesterdays, uh, you know, I could have been dead from from my addiction, right? And, you know, um, first of all, when I stopped, when I stopped watching the weight, you know, and started watching and, and, and working my spiritual muscles, right? Like, you know, spiritual fitness, right? You know, the 12 steps, as it's laid out in this big book, allowed me to work my spiritual muscles. I mean, can I, I, can I, can I elaborate on how my muscles were before program? They were mushy. Um, anything could have been in camp inside my muscles in my brain I'm talking about. Like, I need, to, I need to tease my brain. I need to challenge my brain because anything was allowed in my brain. Because they weren't fit, they were they were flabby, they weren't firm, they had no type of like you know even Superman got a got a, got a boy kryptonite right. So like I I have when I work with new people, you know, um just like like a couple of the speakers said like you know it's summertime people say they're going to cookouts and camps and all of this and restaurants and all around the town, you know. It strongly suggests you don't go. I had a I had a person I was working with, you know, they go in a, all these places and they're saying they can't be abstinent. Well, I just made a suggestion because I'm not your higher power, you know. However, if you're going to, you know, I, I can't stop. Listen, I'm not going to McDonald's preaching to nobody. I'm not going to Burger King preaching to nobody. Hello. I'm not going to stay wherever. I'm not going to bench places preaching. Not because I'm scared to go. It's because, you know what? They couldn't do it for me. They couldn't pull me out of the scrap heap, right? So when I work my spiritual muscles, you know, my spider senses, that sixth sense tells me it don't make sense to try to reform somebody or try to pull a dog out of their vomit because guess what? You can't do it. You're, you're not a higher power. You're not a god. You're a bozo on a bus, and you're, you're saved by grace. You lucky, Charles H., that you got some willingness this morning 
because I know it could have been the other way. I know that last night something could have happened during the time that I was in the cousin of death, which is sleep. I could have woke up like, you know what? Maybe I, maybe they won't know, right? Maybe they won't know. But guess what? Thank you, God, for willingness. Thank you. Thank you, God, right? And, you know, I'm grateful. However, you know, people call and say, you know, can you, can you put me on an email chain list? Can you send me your 10 steps? You know, I could do that, but, you know, I can't enable you. If you want what we got, you do what we do. And with that, I'm going to pass. Thanks for allowing me to share. And thank you, Charles. Okay, Bella, it's your turn. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Janice, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Assuming we are spiritually fit. Wow. This is the basis, and this is the recovery. Now that I am, thank you, God, in the program, I learn to pause, to pause and to ask myself, well, where I am now? And if the answer is, yes, I am connected to God, I am no longer connected to my ego. I am connected to a loving power, to an acceptance power. I live free from fear, free from anger. And yes, I can do and I can go to all the places because my ego is not directing me. I am not directed by my character, the fact that I am a people pleaser, that I have to take power, no more. I am connected to an unloving power and cannot be that God wants to punish me or to give me challenges that I can deal with them. So now that I am connected to God, I can go to all those places that food is around me because today I don't, the food is no longer a solution for me. Today I learn to learn from other people to enjoy other situations. But this is only if I am connected to God and not to my ego. When I am connected to God, so then I am safe and secure. Thank you for letting me share and I pass. And thank you, Bella G. Vasa O, you're up. Good morning, everyone. Janice, thank you so much for your service, and I am Recovered Compulsive Overeater calling from Florida, Vasa. Oh, but anyway, this is a beautiful paragraph. I, you know, yes, I made the decision in my desperation to surrender and put the foot in God's hands. The next day, the temptation, the temptation came back, the mental obsession was coming back for me to eat. I could not ever imagine not having certain foods that for the rest of my life I I was I just couldn't, you know, and then I was um, you know, suggested I would go and ask God to help me to just get me through that day, just from one meal to the next. And yes, I avoided going places, certain places. At the beginning I did. I, I was a baker. I mean, I'm a cook. I can be a chef, you know. I did all like experimentation over my over the years. 
so I had to stop baking. I couldn't even bring that stuff in the house at the beginning. I avoided certain aisles when I went shopping, uh, grocery shopping. Um, I remember there were a lot of stuff coming up, Christmas, Thanksgiving. There were a lot of parties going on at that time. I remember going to my mother-in-law's. There was a spread, a buffet spread. I remember going to the bathroom, getting on my knees and praying to God. And I went to watch football with the guys in the small room. I didn't want to be there with the guys watching football. I hated my husband watching sports, you know. But I did whatever it took at that time. It's by the grace of God, you know. I can go anywhere today. I mean, I've gone to Europe a couple times, been in programs. I've stayed absent. I've gone on cruises. I mean, of all the places, and I'm going on cruises and to stay abstinent. Well, that was God. You know, I didn't have the power. I didn't have the strength before I came to the program, you know. And gradually, little by little, little, the mental obsession was gone. So it, I can go anywhere today. As long as there's food, you know. I mean, if I was somewhere in an island, if there was no other kind of food, I don't know what I'd do. I'd be probably fishing or doing something. But anyways, you know, it's just going through the, the hump, you know the grieving, the loss of my friend's food or my love, the fear that I had with the food. And today it's gone. It's not there. It is by the grace of God. I can entertain. I can go places. And I know what's my food and what's not my food. And this is what I try to share with my sponsors. Yes, at the beginning I had to avoid all those places. And it was very tempting. But now today I don't have to. Thank you, and I pass. And thank you, Vasa O. Okay, Raquel, you're up. Star one to one mute. Hi, this is Raquel calling from Israel. Uh, thank you so much, Janice, for your service and all my beloved friends for all this wonderful, wonderful honesty on the line. Um, assuming we are spiritually fit, well, uh, since just as, as uh, we were directed before uh, by, by Kim, look back at the um, um, uh, spiritual awakening at the back of the book, and it says very clearly that most of us have what is called educational type, which takes a lot longer than the ban, you know, like that Bill Wilson had and that some other people were fortunate enough to have. So again, I am called upon for the deep and deepest honesty to see where I stand. You know, and everybody's disease, the, the intensity of it, the depth of it, and, and the rate of recovery is not the same. So here I am after six years, eight months, and uh, help me now, 12, under 12, this was the eight months, so um, six more days, uh, eight more days that... What I needed to do for my recovery is to not eat on anybody else's table. I eat only at home, and I'm responsible. I'm alone, so whatever comes into this house. But I do go out to the market to shop, and all the things are all around there, incredible market in Jerusalem. And I can gauge my, my spiritual recovery by, by the distance between me and the objects which I haven't put in my mouth all this time. But now that I'm thinking to come to our wonderful convention, boy, am I scared. 
if I'm going to put it to the test, I'm going to put my recovery, abstinence and all, on the line, on the test, and God will help me decide how much I can and what I can and what I can't when I'm there. But definitely, I will not toy with it and not play with it, even though, you know, I would so love to say I am spiritually recovered because I've been in program since 1979. And uh, now in the last six years, thanks to Vision for You and what was before, it's a whole different ball game and NA and AA meetings, you know, that speak of life and death. And I'm not going to risk my life to go to places just because it says that I can do all sorts of things alcoholics are not supposed to because I can't. I know that I can't. And God will guide me when I am being put to the test. But it's, it's incredible that we are reading this now. And I love it. And I love you all. Have a good day. And I pass. And thank you, Raquel. Yeah, we're going to go on to that next paragraph. Larry's going to begin on page 101, the very first paragraph. We meet these conditions every day. Larry, you're up. Thanks, Janice. Larry, uh, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. <clears throat> okay, we meet these conditions every day. An alcoholic who cannot meet them still has an alcoholic mind. There is something the matter with his spiritual status. His only chance for sobriety would be someplace like the Greenland ice cap. And even there, an Eskimo might turn up with a bottle of scotch and ruin everything. Ask any woman who has sent her husband to distant places on the theory he would escape the alcoholic problem. Okay, so, um, you know, we meet these conditions every day, and it talks about an alcoholic mind. Um, what is an alcoholic mind? Remember, we have an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind. When they talk about the, alcohol, the, uh, uh, the alcoholic mind, they're not talking about your allergy. We, everyone on the line, if you're a compulsive reader, you still have an allergy. You have not, you, your allergy is still there. It's alive and well. However, um, if you've been through this process of recovery, you've worked through the steps, the alcoholic mind, the obsession has been lifted. How do I know that? I know that, well, for myself, because the promises speak to that. Those 10-step promises speak to what happens. That obsession is lifted. The problem has been removed. And it talks about the alcoholic mind on page 24. It says the fact is that most alcoholics, for reasons obscure, have lost the power of choice in drink. Our so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent. We are unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the memory of the suffering and humiliation of even a week or a month ago. We are without defense against the first drink. So I remember what, what being without defense was, that strange mental twist. I remember years ago going to a World Service Conference. I mean, that was, if that is in Greenland, what is, right? I'm surrounded by these other people who are just like me. And, uh, you know, my sponsor's there. And uh, I had all my weighed and measured meals and everything was planned. Surely I was safe. The problem was, is I still had an alcoholic mind. And, um, you know, with that alcoholic mind, there became some reason 
I swear, you guys, I did not intend to pick up. And I thought I was safe. I thought I was safe. And I went there and I'm surrounded and, and, and I found myself walking back to my hotel. And as I was walking back on that beautiful day, you know what? I had no intention of walking into that bar. It was a bar. But I didn't go in there for alcohol because I smelled something and that's in boom, like that. Snap your finger. It's over. It's all over. And then the shame and remorse and then stuffing my face and then oblivion. See, that's because I was not safe and protected. See, today I'm safe and protected. But I don't, you know, but today, you know, I don't walk around cocky and, you know, uh, um, today I just know that I'm safe and protected. I can go anywhere. But if I'm working with others who still, you know, and I don't determine, I don't bequeath whether you have an alcoholic mind or not. But I might raise your awareness if you're wondering. You know, I might raise your awareness to, to what it was like before I had sufficiently you know, subjected myself to this practical program of action where I had dabbled in it. Oh, but Larry, someone told me yesterday, I've worked the steps. I've worked them several times. Okay, that's great. Maybe the, maybe the obsession's been removed. I don't know. I'm not your higher power. But I can tell you for me, when it was removed, it was removed. There was no question. There's no question when it happened. You know, there's no question today. You know, so you, I can go anywhere. I don't have to avert my eyes. You know, I don't have to run through a grocery store avoiding aisles. I don't have to fear, you know, taking a vacation. Time. I don't have to worry about any of those things. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much, Larry. Okay. Who would like to begin sharing on this paragraph? Nessa. Nessa. Yeah. Reva P. Reva P. Who else? All right, let's start with Leia. And Leia. Okay, Leia M. Nessa, you're up. Thank you very much. Uh, my name is Nessa R. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. And I, um, I don't have to go anywhere or refrain from going anywhere to escape my food problem. Because as it says in page 85, uh, the problem has been removed. And I am rarely, rarely tempted. And I'm really tempted because I don't need it for food anymore to derive uh, a very fleeting sense of ease and comfort because as a result of recovery from working the 12 steps, I now derive my sense of ease and comfort from, from God. Uh, and that's a very permanent, reliable, consistent sense of ease and comfort. So I can go to places that used to spell trouble with capital T for me. I can go, I can go to weddings and parties having had um, dinner beforehand. I can go to, you know, Chinese buffets having pre-ordered, um, you know, a plain grilled salmon with steamed vegetables. And, and, and the best part of it is, is not only that I'm sticking to that, but that I don't feel deprived. I don't feel like I'm missing anything because um, I don't need the excess food. I have God. Um, actually, um, I get asked a lot um, by prospects, newcomers to meetings, like, don't you feel deprived? You don't need sugar. You don't need flour. You know, you weigh and measure your, your food. Like, don't you feel deprived? And my answer is invariably, yes, I feel deprived. I'm deprived of 70 extra pounds. 
I'm deprived of feeling winded. When I go, you know, half a flight of stairs, I'm deprived of a family who doesn't know what mood their mother is going to wake up in the morning. I'm deprived of the craziness in my head. I'm deprived of these feelings of anger and jealousy and resentment and fear. Um, and it all comes from deriving the sense of ease and comfort from the one who can truly give it, which is God. And that has happened as a result of the 12 steps. And it wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have had that if it hadn't been for the 12 steps. And for that, I'm eternally grateful. And I pass. Thank you. And thank you, Nessa R. Reva P., it's your turn. Good morning. This is Reva P., Recovering Compulsive Overeater, also in Toronto. Um, these paragraphs um, distinguish for me the difference between an alcoholic mind and a spiritually fit uh, being. And um, it reminds me that an alcoholic mind is the way I thought I needed to manage um, the food in my life before this program and going through the steps where it was my will and my thinking and control and efforting. Um, And it was like the diet mentality. You know, if I just count the calories in and expenditure out, um, you know, I can figure this out. I can do it. Um, And this program is exactly the opposite of what my um, best efforts um, got me into before program because I don't rely on myself. I rely on a power greater than myself. And then there's no efforting. I relax and take it easy. And I get this gift, as has been shared, of neutrality with food. And it's done to me as a result of the steps, and, um, which leads to a spiritual experience. And it's just so the opposite of efforting and um, willfulness. And, you know, for me, it's with the food, um, and it's also with my behaviors. I can't will myself into being forgiving, and I can't will myself into being patient, kind, and tolerant. I, again, rely on my higher power to do for me those things, and, um, you know, as a result of working the steps, especially seven. And the other thing I wanted to share is that this all needs to be flexible, because I'm always in search of the rule, like the recipe, like I just got to do this, even within program. And, you know, in the beginning, I did need to avoid places, and even many years later now, if I'm not spiritually fit, I can't go somewhere until I get myself spiritually fit. Um, so I need to remember that this, there's no rules. It's, it's a daily reprieve, um, and this is a guideline that I use every 24 hours. With that, I pass. Thank you. And thank you so much. Uh, Reva P. Leah M., you're up. It's your turn. Thanks so much, Janice. We meet these conditions every day. An alcoholic who cannot meet them still has an alcoholic mind. Who is we? We are the men and women, you know, who had recovered, who pen these pages. Um, how do we know that they have recovered? Well, they had applied these steps. The obsession of the mind, the greater aspect of our disease, has been driven out, and as long as they keep in fit spiritual condition, assuming they're spiritually fit, these are the results. So I just want to make that clear. We meet these conditions every day. Who meets these conditions every day? People who have had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, 
and have experienced a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. So, you know, we all know that, you know, our disease is, is made up of two components, allergy of the body, obsession of the mind. Now, allergy of the body, you learn about in the doctor's opinion, and certainly we can all speak about that to great lengths, and my book is going to tell me over and over again that that information is extremely important. The allergy of the body, extremely important, but that's not my real problem. My real problem is my alcoholic mind, that greater aspect of the disease. That is my real problem. My real problem is that I can't keep from taking that first bite left to my own resources. Left to my own resources, my mind always would tell me it's okay to take that first bite. And then, of course, I would take that first bite, and then the allergy would take over. So it's important to know, you know, that I have an allergy of the body. But the greater aspect of my disease, all action is born in thought. Because binge foods had burned me over and over and over again. But for some strange reason, even though the night before I had cried, you know, uh, elephant tears, I would never do this again. I I don't want to divorce. I want to live a full life, you know. But for some strange reason, left to my own resources the next morning, I could not remember what those binge foods did to me. I would just get to thinking about what it does for me, and I would get to thinking about the sense of ease and comfort that was going to come at once as soon as I took that first bite. So here, of course, we have been restored to sanity. That's the essence of what the 12 steps do. The steps remove the things that block me from my higher power deep down within me. And as soon as the block is removed, I have contact with that higher power. And as soon as I have contact with that higher power, I become sane. And for someone like me, becoming sane means that I no longer want to return to the foods and those eating behaviors that create those cravings. And that is restoration of sanity. Because I can accept and see the truth about my disability because I've been restored to sanity. And that is the result of these steps. And with that, I pass. Thanks. And thank you, Leah M. Okay. We Rakefet? Yes. Okay. Rakefet, go Nicole. ahead. And Nicole, if we have time. Yes. Rakefet. Thank you. Ahead. Thank you, Janice. This is Rakefet, Recovered Compulsive Reader in California. And I... I have been in programs over 17 years, and I've been abstinent for the over the last uh, year and a half. I've never, ever been absent that long. I've had bouts of abstinence, but mostly I struggled and struggled and struggled to get abstinent, and it was a struggle always to stay abstinent, and I always went back to the food. But even though I have a year and a half of abstinence, and I know the people that aren't absent, that seems like a lifetime, but to people that have 20, 30 years of absence, that, that's nothing. So there's so many people that relapse after a year and a half. It, it, it's not, you're not assured that you're not going to. And so for me, I am not immune from the obsession. I'm not. I'm not yet removed. I have been, I have had a spiritual experience. I have been reorganized in my head and my soul. But there is food that still calls for me cost me not everything and it's you know a thousand times better than it ever was before but I'm not totally immune you know there's places I won't go I won't go to certain restaurants especially to dessert restaurants I won't go there and I don't need to I ask my friends or my husband let's go somewhere else and they're fine I won't meet a friend in a donut shop 
That's for sure. I mean, just walking by and the smell, the memories, I don't need that. I don't need to tuck myself. You know, I'm, I, I have, I have recovery, but that doesn't mean that I'm totally, totally immune from memories or um, desires to eat that stuff, but it's a thousand times better. And I just, I believe that the longer I continue to grow in my abstinence, the longer I continue to turn to God, you know, hopefully that will, I will become more and more immune to it. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I have to do what I have to do to protect my abstinence. And whatever it takes, when I go to a restaurant with my husband, I bring my own food. He likes ethnic restaurants. I bring my own food, weight and measured, and I'm so happy with that. And I used to think that I'm not spiritually fit because I have to do that. And the answer is no. I am just a severe gutter-level food addict. You know, I am so severe that I can't, you know, some, you know, when I see food, smell food, whatever, it just, um, something does go to my head. And it's not, not it's not, uh, you know, obsessive, obsessive where I'm going to go and, oh, my God, pick up the food. But it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable and I don't need to do that to myself. And I can still be spiritually fit and close to God and still protect myself. And that's what I have to do. Thank you for letting me share it. I pass. And thank you for sharing, Rekefford. Okay, Nicole, you'll wrap it up for us. Hi, this is Nicole S. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And um, I love this paragraph, what it says about the Greenland ice cap. And um, I remember I used to think that if only I could live in in a bubble and somebody could just put my, you know, what I need for my food three times a day, and um, then I could, you know, be abstinent, and it's so wonderful that today I don't, I don't have to live in a bubble, and um, that I can go to places, I can be around food, and um, that I don't have that, that alcoholic mind anymore, and it's all because of um, being, being spiritually fit, and in God doing for me what, what I can't do for myself, and um, it's just a, it's a wonderful, wonderful place to be that um, I don't have to shield myself um, from from these conditions as it says that, that we meet every day. And, um, you know, I've realized food is such a huge part of, of our society. And, um, you know, when I meet those conditions, I can, I have a better way. Um, a lot of times, when our our church has a potluck, I take my own food and and um, can sit and enjoy the the people. Uh, my son's birthday was last week, and I was able to make him a birthday cake and frosting, and and just not even it's just not even an issue, an issue anymore. Whereas before, it would just be that um, whenever I was around those things, I could I would just have have to eat it, and then that, you know, obsession of the mind would take over and I'd end up, you know, being sick um, from from binging on, on you know, those those alcoholic foods for me. And um, so, and I like what, what Elsa says, you know, that if we can't meet them, we still have an alcoholic mind and there's something the matter with their spiritual status. And I know if I ever have a, a craving um, and just thinking, well, that would taste good, um, I, I immediately know that wow, there's there's something wrong with with my spiritual status, and that's what I need to look at, and that's what I 
what I need to get right. But um, I'm just, I just am so appreciative of this book and of um, recovery and just that um, I'm able to meet these everyday conditions and um, that I don't, I don't have to, um, you know, I don't have to be shielded from, from life is really what it is. And um, with that, I'll pass. Thank you for letting me share. And thank you so much, Nicole S. And uh, just a gentle reminder that, you know, we have another meeting coming up if you haven't had a time to share because we're going to close now. And thanks to everyone who has shared. We will, now cl- we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Terry H. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, thank you, Janice. Terry H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Maine. Our book is meant to be suggested only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of the past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.